I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line from the Satellite Branch in Scenic Hamilton in crystal clear audio fidelity, it's your girl. No buzz, y'all. Caitlin McKinnon. Caitlin, no buzz McKinnon, I think is what you meant. No, she's like a teetotaler oh. over there. Teetotaler over there. Never going to have a buzz on her anymore. What, what? <laughs> old-timey jazz age humor for you, y'all. Wow. It's terrible. Shut your face. This is episode 252 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you want to go back and listen to all my other dope-ass puns, go wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Search the Geek Down Podcast. Give it a rate and review. Like, follow, subscribe, what have you. And henceforth, you will never miss any of my future puns because they're going to be delivered within the episodes from the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your man's... Chauncey Brastilicus the third geek down internet elf. Oh my god, girl. He loves a good pun. They say it's the highest form of comedy. The elves know. The elves know. Did the elves invent puns? Yes. <laughs> well, now, now we know who to attack first. <laughs> when the war comes, that's how we know. All that is to say, new episodes of this program directly to your device. You don't have to do anything. What a marvel of technology. What a time to be alive. Can you believe the world we live in? It's just that easy for you to get these episodes. Literally, it's a tap. That's tap, it. tippity tap. One little, little tippy tap on your cellular device. And that is all you have to do. If you would like to chide me for suddenly embracing dad jokes, 252 episodes in the program, hit us up on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That is where the show lives on the social meads. Get up off Twitter. If you'd like to pay me to stop doing dad jokes, you can throw three bucks in the tip jar at ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. That is where we take donations. For all you know what's going to happen, right? What's going to happen? You're just going to see donation from Caitlin Nobuzz McKinnon. For <laughs> <laughs> Jordan to stop making terrible puns. Caitlin McKinnon has donated $3. <laughs> oh my God, y'all. First and foremost, must be noted, I said, crystal clear. Nothing says romance like audio equipment. Your girl got a new mic, y'all. Yeah, you know it. Uh, senior correspondent Chris, very excited about us getting to 250 episodes. More excited than we were, um, apparently. Apparently, he just uh, he, he bought a gift bag. He put you know wrapping paper or tissue paper. He bought me a card. Um, just basically was like, "You do good stuff, <laughs> and I love your face." Here's a microphone, and he knew I wanted to get one anyways, but he. He did the research. He found a good one, and it, it's it's nice. I'm excited. I'm excited to listen to the episode and see what it's like. Oh, you'll still hate it. It does sound better than it has previously, but yeah. And I mean, nothing nothing really is the same as 
being in the room, not just for audio quality, but for the energy and pitter pat, y'all. The pitter laughs, the bobbing and weaving. You think we still got it, kid? Think we can still bring it? Oh yeah. I'm just my 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 fear is that the entire episode where we where we're back in the same room is just going to be us howling at fucking nothing. And we might just have to write off anything resembling format. It's been a while since we did hodgepodge. We might just have to like. It's it's going to be. Pre- it's definitely going to be a hodgepodge. Preemptively hodgepodge. Just, it's gonna. We're just gonna look at each other's faces and laugh. <laughs> I know I laugh at your face all the time. Oh, funny. oh God! <laughs> Top that, Rogan, or whatever other. What are the hot podcasts? <laughs> How can you make a podcast and know. not even know what's popping on podcast? Top that, Night Vale. <laughs> Night Vale, even to think anymore. I don't know. Also, why does Rogan have his own show? Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> uh, big elk meat. Big mescaline, <laughs> the mescaline <laughs> lobby. Thought it's got to be a way to get the word out. Oh my god, amazing! I've got it, Rogan. <laughs> Rogan, <laughs> y'all. So yeah, uh, again, we always pick the hottest day of the week to record. It was uh, a little more temperate on Saturday. Saturday, what did I do on Saturday? Oh, I saw Leah the Brazilian for the first time in a while. Uh, post post double vax. Hugs were exchanged, which is the first time that's happened. Got some, got some Koshina. You fucks with the Koshina, Kate? I, I don't, I don't know what that is. It's like Brazilian street food. It's like a uh, on Dundas near Ossington. Local talk. There's a, uh, it's called like Brasilissimo or something. It's some steakhouse. Um, but I never get steak there. I go there with Leah and I get, um, it's, it's called a pastel. That's what it's called. But I could just call it a pizza pop. Um, and then the. <laughs> The Koshina is like, it's like a chicken ball, basically. It's like a deep fried chicken ball. Um, right. Uh, but it's delicious. I don't know what they do to the chicken, but it's like shredded chicken. It's like, you know, deep fried and the amazingness. And also they have some like just pure sugar Garana soda soda that's like mm, directed into my veins. Listen, your man's been on that dietitian shit for like a month now. I took one. I took one hit of like sugary soda and saw the singularity. It was just like I was literally a gal- I was literally a galaxy brain meme. Everything opened, and I was like, "Oh my god, is this why people do crack cocaine?" Because I see the appeal. Um, um uh, I think I've we've just discovered what food we're gonna get when we see each other. But I can't order it. <laughs> I need Leah to order it. I'm sure some we can we can manage we can figure it out. I'm gonna go in and point at the menu and go chicken titty and nobody wants that. <laughs> I will. I will. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at like pretending I know different languages. Portuguese no different. I'm just this vaguely sounds Frenchy English. <laughs> like, listen, I've picked up a little Spanish from someone cute, but like, yeah, I'm not gonna be <laughs> Portuguese is another beast entirely, but. Um, yeah, Koshina is, uh, marvelous. And then obviously we went to play the record and Leah has the sickness as badly as anybody else. She's like, I don't need to go. And she spent like $80 on records at a girl. <laughs> I only spent 40, but, uh, bump. I'm finding restraint. Mm. I'm finding restraint. No, it's because I ordered like 140 bucks from Japan. It was city pop in, on vinyl day in Japan on Saturday. Had to do it. 
Neo Soul, one of my favorite Neo Soul bands over there, Mime, dropped another 7-inch. I'm not just going to pay shipping on just a 7-inch, Kate. So I was, do- at, I was at work doing inventory the night before, just listening to all the offerings on YouTube. Which one do I want? And I found one. That's a band I never heard of called Platinum 900. They were out in the 90s. They do dope-ass bossa nova pop type stuff. Ah, clink. Friends, not, I mean, there is news, but who cares? I'll just answer the one question everybody wants to know. The one question everybody's asking me. I'm still withholding judgment on the Bebop live action. You all want to know. You all hit me up. The photos came out. You all hit me up and asked me, what is it? How you think? How does it look? It looks like a cosplay photo shoot. I can't, I have no opinion until I see it in motion. Like, it does. The, The lighting looks weird. It's a little odd. I like that one of them, the actress playing Faye, is, like, in the upside-down position. That was a nice touch. I like that Ayn's there. Everyone's screaming in the comment section, where's Ed? And I'm here to say it, y'all. They're either keeping Ed real tight under wraps, or you just ain't getting her. They might have decided Ed... It's a possibility. They might have decided Ed was too much of a headache for season one. And left that shit alone. So just prepare yourselves for all of the weep tears. I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to watch this out of obligation. I'll give it, I'll give it a rule of three. And if I don't like it, I'm probably out, which is absurd for me to think that I would not watch something Cowboy Bebop uh, related, but. I don't think that's absurd. I think when you love something so much in the form it's already in and someone goes, Hey, let's do this again. You're and as I've been ranting about for like months now, does this need a live action? <laughs> the answer is no. But, you know, I could see, it's very easy to be like, no, I don't think so. Like, I love the thing as it is. I I don't need this to be, to exist. I mean, it looked very sound stagey. Like I said, the lighting looks weird. Until I see it moving, I'm not, I can't really have an opinion on it. And I won't have an opinion on it. But that's dropping in November. We did get a release date for it sometime in November, which is short. I'm surprised there's not an actual trailer trailer yet. Um, yeah. But I will listen. I'm not going to outright dismiss it. I'm not going to be one of these like bratty weebs who are like, you know, me, me, me. I'm like, I'll, I will watch it. I will. I believe that the people involved in making it are fans and want to do right by it. But I knew the needs of a live action um, general audience are different from, you know, a weeby anime audience. So, We'll see how that goes. I was just going to say, I mean, and meanwhile, like, me and me, right? Like, that's uh, that's how I feel about some of these live action things. <laughs> that's how you feel? Me and me? Me and me, me and me, me. Like, I just, yeah, I just, there's lots of stuff that I'm like, the thing it was, like, again, Avatar. Right. It's... I don't, I don't think it needs, I don't think it needs live action. I don't think it needs live action. I don't think it's going to do the property any favors. Ultimately. I don't think it's going to, I think people, I don't think it's going to push anybody. If it sucks, you can be like, watch the anime instead. Nobody's going to watch it. It's going to just ruin the property for people who were not already predisposed to watching it. Or maybe it's, you know, maybe they do capture the magic. I hope they do. I would love to see, you know, as many people know Cowboy Bebop as who know, like, fucking Stranger Things or something like that, you know, like. Right. TBD. 
cautiously optimistic, as we say. Friends, before the mics came on, your girl, Katie Mack, said she had a rant she wanted to go on. So I'm going to clear the lane. I have no idea what's going to fly out of her mouth, so I'm just going to uh, sit back and uh, enjoy this as much as you do. So, Katie Mack, what's on your mind, kid? Grab a snack, grab a drink, take a seat. Let's talk about this. <laughs> what is wrong with people, and why do we need 60,000 television shows and movies about serial killers? Oh, oh. Pump flex bomb drop. She's coming, she's coming for the about, true crime women. <laughs> I'm not just talking about true crime and the true crime documentaries. I'm also talking about all the biopics, the shows that just really focus and hone in on, like, who was Jeffrey Dahmer? Who was Ted Kaczynski? Who was Ted Bundy? Why do we care? Why There's never a show about all the people they murdered or raped or assaulted or affected, right? It just, it it's it's more and more there are these shows and movies that have come out with actors portraying serial killers. And I just, I don't understand. I mean, true crime, it has this fascination um, as sort of like a, I don't know, like this, like a grotesque sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I, I've always talked about the fact that I'm actually really just into um, the forensics of, of true crime, mm -hmm. not the actual crimes themselves or the assailants or the murderers. I, I really am just interested in like, how did they solve this puzzle and catch this person? Um, but I don't mean to sort of, you know, bad mouth or throw shade onto people who are interested in true crime. But again, how many TV shows do we need with like cute actors playing psychopaths? What is that? Can we stop? I don't need a live avatar and I don't need <laughs> another show about, about Ted Bundy. Like I just, I just don't. And I don't think anyone else does. I think we have enough fucked up shit going on <laughs> without. And and this is the other thing. They never, again, they never talk about the victims or at least they're not the focus. No, never. And I think that is its own problem and sickness in its own way. Um, and so you're wondering like, why does this person think it'd be fun to shoot up a school or a mall or a, cause the notoriety is part of it. And maybe if we didn't, give these murderers such notoriety it would become a more shameful act than just another way to gain celebrity oh yeah you hit a you hit and a point that's my rant done <laughs> you hit a point where like you I, for myself i go actively out of the way to like avoid if i hear about a school you know if i hear about a shooting at a church or some shit or any you know, mass shooting in the states i like go out of my way at this point to learn nothing about who did it the the shooting in Atlanta from last summer uh, at the salon. Like I still don't know the guy's name and that's by, that's deliberately by yeah. choice. I don't need to know anything about him. And admittedly, like the whole, my favorite murder, that whole industry, I've never really like, I've never understood it. I don't know what, what this like subsection of like, and I know my favorite murder has like b clearly branched down into more than just like the true crime aspect of it. It's more about the two hosts and like their friendship and the community they built around it. But it still started by talking about you know weird murders that happened 
around America. And I don't, it seems like a weird lane to go down. And I mean, I've, I've enjoyed some fucked up shit in my fiction over the years, but when it's stuff that actually happened, name it. Yeah. And again, it's, it's not even the murder, like being interested in sort of the psychology of it is, is fine, but it's more about these people. Um, and specifically men. And I just think we could use a lot less of that. A lot less. Here, here. So that was just my mini, my mini rant. Just something to think about. You know what? If um, if you're like, oh, I don't know what to watch. I'm gonna watch this thing about Jeffrey Dahmer instead. Can I uh, can I suggest a little Antiques Roadshow? <laughs> got its own thrills <laughs> thrills y'all yeah there's some history involved mm. maybe some psychology some wonder why is that vase worth twenty thousand dollars why is that you know? vase worth twenty thousand dollars why did this woman keep all those scarves <laughs> you sure that's not the caitlin um, mckinnon story <laughs> and for me it'd be cardigans <laughs> that's the title of caitlin's memoir why did one woman have all these scarves? <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, that's all. That's all. It just, you know, I just it is because I saw some other thing. I, I don't know what who it was on. Like like you, I just like avoided it entirely. Mm. But every it seems every season for the Netflix lineup, there's some other show. Oh, Netflix. I'm just like Netflix. Netflix is making Bob Ross fucking sinister. Have you seen? Have you seen that <laughs> shit? Like, <laughs> how dare you? Leave Bob Ross alone. How dare you? Like, and I've seen stuff about like you know his estate and like the Bob Ross Inc. I don't know when was a YouTube video. I don't know New York Times did a story on it. I think did a video story. I fell in a whole bunch of like New York Times uh, mini documentaries online, and they did one about. Uh, Bob, Bob Ross Inc. basically and like where his paintings are that's ultimately what it was and I'm sure this documentary will do the same thing like the guy did like you know hundreds and hundreds of paintings but like nobody really owns one there's like yeah. one woman who like owns all the Bob Ross paintings but like don't put a fucking like creepy xylophone over it like it's fucking Bob Ross like <laughs> leave the creepy xylophone do, out of this do, do you think the man behind happy little trees wants this is this the move the answer is no it's no. not. <laughs> Katie Mack. Yeah. Did you watch anything this week? Um, I only watched one thing, and it was such a nice surprise because Ooh. I haven't had... I forgot I was waiting for this <laughs> to come out. <laughs> um, on it, Like, on our side of the pond, as they say. Ah. Um, but I had mentioned many, many months ago uh, a mystery show called called McDonald and Dodds. Mm, I seem to recall set that. In yes, Bath, England, and it's about these uh, police detectives that have been paired up. Who are one's a little quirky, um, and an older gentleman, and the other one's just like this. Takes no, you know, shit. Um, uh, woman who just sees his his usefulness and they become friends as well as obviously colleagues um and the first season was just two episodes um and of course they're like 90 minute episodes mm. um and then uh i was going through things yesterday last night 
um, and I stumbled upon the fact that Series 2 had been released on BritBox and was absolutely thrilled. Um, I only watched one episode, uh, but it was an episode uh, where a murder took place on a hot air balloon. So, like, (laughs) shut your face. That's the kind, that, those are the kind of thrills I'm looking for, folks. An aviation accident. Oh, my God. <laughs> Most whimsical murder ever. Right? Um, and, yeah, and and I was, it was delightful, as I expected it to be. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm just looking forward to the fact that I have two more of these episodes um, oh, well, once, right. Uh, I think one hasn't been released yet, but at least one episode, um, to love 90 minutes of just pure joy and solving murder puzzles. Um, yeah, it's going to make, it's going to make for a good week. Well, didn't see that coming. Y'all hot air balloon murder was not something I had on my geek down bingo card this week. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> you not just pick a murder and then pick a whimsical place and then caitlin like you know like fill in the blank somebody drowned in a ball pit (laughs) friends uh, tweet us your favorite whimsical murders for future episodes of caitlin's favorite uh british crime dramas i just want to hear i'm just gonna spend the week trying to come up with whimsical murders now this is hey this is why we have this show because you are never gonna watch the whimsical murder show that is my niche (laughs) so that's her lane and she's got listen pick your lane and stick to it and you always have yeah that's the magic y'all friends what did i get into uh three major things watch a little more owl house uh to my displeasure i did not realize that despite two seasons having aired only the first season is on the plus yep (laughs) a little annoyed by that uh i have not finished the first season but i have uh i think i'm at episode 11 lose just went just got cleared to enroll at hexide um (laughs) who do you suck so bad but i love you (laughs) the literal worst hootie Oh my God! I think they we only... all love to hate Hootie. That's the point. <laughs> you told me, and I turned out fine. Trying <laughs> to eat a bug that crawls across himself. <laughs> um. Also, how dare you play with my emotions about Albert? Um, makers of the Owl House. That was a great episode that did the Gravity Falls thing, where like there was clearly like enough sprinklings. Albert is the, like, what do they call it? Not a palindrome, but, like, <laughs> palisman. That's um, what it was. It's palisman. Yes. Which is, like, the top of Edith's staff, and there's a they make a mention of, like, oh, what's that thing on his foot? And it's, like, oh, that's the thing that, like, attaches him. It's, like, the latch that attaches him to the staff. It's, like, he only fits this one. Um, by the end of the episode, you come to find out that the villain of the episode also has one of those things on her foot. She was of someone's palisman as well. Who was it? We don't know. Lose is like, if you ever want to try and find out, I'll help you. Seeds, y'all. They're dropping seeds. There's a couple of seeds for you. Yeah. Seeds are very important in a show. It's a Disney show, so I know we're going to go back to it. But, like, that's that's the thing that makes this specific ilk of kids show, you know, a little a little better. Had a little mystery to it. Um, continuing on, a message to Adolf. It is... 
not a chill hang. <laughs> that's a rough, that's a rough book as our young German boy gets sent back to Germany to enroll in the Hitler Youth. That's a fun, fun. That's a fun piece fun. of the story. <laughs> yep. Um, I finished volume one. I am now into volume two. The war is rapidly reaching its conclusion, so we don't know what's going to at the core of it is this whole notion about these documents that you know apparently have proof that uh hitler was part jewish which is something that has been theorized inconclusively over the years i did google this myself it has been that has been out in the ether it's not like Tesla pulled this uh out of his ass completely but centers around these documents that could prove that um in this fictional tale and that's what ties, you know, the main character, the report, not, not even, not even the main character. There is no main character. There's so many characters in this story, Kate. It's really like, if I started telling you about one, well, I'm not even going to say it. Cause if I started telling you about one thing, I'd be talking for 25 minutes about how all this stuff is like interlocking. Um, right. And like I said, is there, there's clumsy ass dialogue. He was not the best. Tezuka was not the best writer in the world, but the dude can like thread a plot and draw his ass off. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he didn't draw every, you know, line in the book. I know he had a very extensive assistant program at Tezuka Studios or Productions, but just looks incredible. And for a dude in his, like, 70s to still be, like, making work of that quality at that point in his career is is rather incredible. And I can't wait to finish that. And the only other thing... The only other thing I want to talk about this week, and I'm going to, like mind my tongue a little bit um put it to you like this last week we talked about how really all the other things we watched kind of suffered in the face of the thing we were supposed to watch that week i have the opposite this week where the other things i watched for myself just blew blew the thing we were supposed to watch out of the water um this is a really weird sort of week or confluence of items because not only did I watch Bo Burnham's Inside for the show this week, yeah. uh, Kanye West finally dropped Donda today, Sunday as we're recording, his latest off-delayed album, um, and I finally finished watching my Rebuild of Ava marathon uh, last night. So we have three kind I of like... That's a lot. We have three kind of like auteurs, for lack of a better word, a singular of vision who have all suffered with mental health, um, and three different creative acts made through that lens. And obviously the one that has ties to me that date back to my twenties is a little heftier. You know, and kind of blows the other ones out of the water. And I know I made jokes ever since it was announced that Amazon was going to release these that, you know, hey, Kate, get ready. We're going to be doing it for Cinematic September. And I'm never going to outright ask. If Kate and I, if Kate wants to have a longer discussion with me about these movies later and decide she wants to do it, then game on. But I do think. It should be watched if Ava OG gets all the shit on it for being the archetypal non-ending anime. 
And I think a lot of the shit that OG Ava eats has to do with the memification of the show over the last 20 years and not the show itself. I think it's the punchline of getting the robot, not anything that actually happens in the show. But if the complaint about End of Ava OG was that it was, you know, inconclusive or there was no ending or whatever, you don't have that problem here. Right. This shit ends. And if End of Ava was someone in his 30s who was a little nihilistic and trying to be better thrice upon a time, which is Ava 3.0 plus 1.0 times 6 divided by 8, whatever the full fucking title is. (laughs) It's clear that this movie was made by somebody in his 60s who actually did do better. It's about growing up. Shinji gets in the robot. Like... It does so much for characters like Asuka and Shinji's father. It answers a ton of questions, but still leaves Ooh. a shit ton. Still leaves a shit ton lying there. Answering questions—that's not a thing it did before. But it asks a bunch of new ones. So, <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. I get. Does it? Is it going to make? Am I going to say, Kate, you need to watch it? It's going to make you happier than the other one did? No, I'm not going to say that. It's also, the fourth one is three fucking hours long. I never felt it, but it was, I said on Insta this morning, I just posted, because I had been posting little stories as I went throughout, like, I've said a few things about Ava over the years. For one, it's, I can generally pinpoint my, like, development as a consumer of culture for lack of a better term, as somebody who like Mm -hmm. had opinions about things to pre and post Ava. Like, and I can't take for granted and I can't, you know, remove the fact that like I was deep in the OG run and it's probably hard to go into these movies without definitely. If you haven't seen, you don't need to see the show and the, in the original movies, it starts from zero as it were, but Without that basis of comparison, are you going to lose a little bit in the overall? Like, are you going to appreciate it as deeply? Probably not. Um, and also, you're talking to somebody who, like, was reading, like, fan translations of the Red Cross book, you know, and and deep cuts from video game, from Ava text-based video games, mobile games in Japan that got posted on GeoCity sites in, like, you know, 1998, like... So a lot of those questions that were never in the actual text, I like know the answers of because I was diving that deep back in the day with not a lot to do in 1998 in Amherstburg, Ontario. And I allow, you know, I grant that the show should do more to answer those questions. I watch End of Ava now and I go, yes, this makes perfect sense because I've read <laughs> thousands of words posted over the years on, you know, GeoCities web rings back in the 90s. Oh, man. That's not... That's from the past. That's not a thing anybody should have to do to appreciate a piece of art. But to have seen the old version and compare it to this one, and to read, watch those credits roll at the end and see literally every fucking studio in Japan have a credit on there. Wit Studio, Madhouse, Cloverworks, A1. Like, they all came together to help this dude finish his shit. (laughs) Like... Right. Best version of Asuka, best version of Rey, best version of Shinji, 
There's a fourth character that was clearly put in there to be like sell merch, which is unfortunate, but hey, that's that's how the anime ball rolls sometimes. But I'll put it I'll put it like this. This is this is something that I think Caitlin will get, but maybe the listeners won't, and maybe this will change. I don't know if this will make you more or less inclined to see the movie. Right. He makes the Madoka wish. Hmm. And that's for all you for all you Madoka Magica fans out there. You know, you know what the Madoka wish is. It's basically like a giant mech version of the Madoka wish. Um, Interesting. And the closure it gives a lot of these characters from other versions you've seen over the years was, I thought, really powerful. It's not perfect. The action is way too spinny. <laughs> it's like watching fucking Transformers, which just felt like throwing action figures down the stairs. Like it's got big, big Transformers vibes in a lot of the action scenes. But as whack as the action scenes can be, Kate, I'm happy to report Rebuild of Evangelion, the yeah. series, the franchise, all four movies, 100% jizz free. Oh! <laughs> no jizz! Oh, that's, honestly, that's like the best thing you could have said to me. <laughs> Forget all that other shit. Yeah, what, questions answered, blah, blah, blah. No jizz, I'm there. Zero jizz, y'all. <laughs> and a lot of the weird sex stuff from the first go-round. Is there fan service? Of course. That was always, you know, the weird thing about Ava. The freaking next episode tags always have Masato <laughs> assuring you you would get fan service. Um, but the the really weird sex stuff from the first franchise is not really there at all. It's really about fathers and sons and love and hope and not. Yeah, I've already watched the last 30 minutes of the movie, like, again. <laughs> and I probably oh, will. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you know that's rare for me. Like, Yeah. Okay, so so this is, you know, I'm obviously I've seen kind of whatever the original is. Like, what, we can talk about, like, all the different things that came out over time. But I did watch it once upon a time. The original. You um, watched the original show in the movies, right? Y- yes. Yeah, mo- but movie. I know people have, like, s- sliced things their own way. And anyways made their own fan versions type of thing. But if you are a new, if you are new to the series completely, should you like this? Would it be good? It would be interesting and you could enjoy it, but it's not going to hit as deep as if you've seen the other versions or other version. Let's really just break it down to like, a 26-episode TV series from the 90s and a movie that concluded that series. And then these four movies, which is called Rebuild of Evangelion. And it really starts as a... The first movie is basically like a compilation... It could be a compilation movie, which happens in anime all the time, right? Where you take, like, all of Cabinary and you made it into two movies. You know? Like, it's basically that. Shot for shot sometimes. Like, I watched OG Ava to an absurd degree. When I was younger. So like I recognize those shots still. And you see them in the movie. And then episode or episode two. Second film. Still kind of follows the narrative. But by the end of it. It's like oh. Fuck everything you knew. And then. Third film. Time jump. Everything is completely fucking different. 
from there going forward. Like, so yeah, if you've never seen anything, you can enjoy it. Mm. But I don't think it's unfair to say like you will miss. There are definite like homages. Like there's a scene of Shinji and Asuka like on the beach with the red waves. Like that's when it goes to like pencil drawings and storyboards. Like you might watch that with zero previous exposure and be like, that's interesting. But if you've seen all this other shit, you just know that's a thing that they do. Sometimes because of budget constraints and sometimes because they were making an artistic yes. choice. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, again, it was so to be back with those characters in that world that I'd spent so much time and so much time thinking about. It was really like, I can't undersell what Evangelion was like for me as like a 20 something watching on fucking VHS tapes back in the day um i had never seen anything like it i still don't think if you watch end of ava to this day like there's anything like that fucking movie so to see this to see this version of it and a different version and a version that like like i and listen i did kate you know i'm serious i fucking fired up youtube (laughs) oh jesus i was like all right nerds what are you saying (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I only I only watched one, and, like, the one critique I saw was, or two critiques, one I agreed with was the aforementioned action scenes, and they're a little, like, oh, this is just noise <laughs> right now. This is, just, <laughs> this is just exploding locusts right now. This is just <laughs> insane. Although, first ten minutes of the movie, a giant robot rips off the Eiffel Tower and uses it as a batting, battering ram. So, I mean, yes, please. Um but I've heard people say that the like ending is almost too happy. And I think that's so fucking unfair (laughs) to like demand that your to mandate that your enjoyment of this show demands the characters be miserable. I just think that's sad. (laughs) Frankly, it's sad. It's very sad. And like, if this is, you know, as Anna has said, for this version like he because he always meant it to be Gundam that's an that's another interesting thing he kind of wanted that's why there's all these versions of it and why there's always been like so much licensing and stuff and like different versions using the characters he low-key wanted it to be Gundam he was super inspired by Gundam he loved it and Gundam always has these weird versions I just like it's got a giant robot but that's it yeah there's no connection there's no ongoing thing same with Macross so he kind of always wanted it to be that which is why I think it veers off. And he, he, Caitlin, two things, two things about this franchise. I'm going to pin it, put a pin in it here. Okay. Cause I could talk about it for another like three hours. It's hundred percent just free. And it uses the title as a piece of dialogue and it fucking works. Oh, okay. These things have interested me. You can use neon Genesis. As a piece of dialogue, I was, like, literally, like, jumping out of my seat. I was like, fuck yes. It's, like, in the back half, psychobilly freakout meta moment. You know, last third of the movie meta moments. And I was like, fucking, fucking great. Fucking yes to all of this. Do I, can I explain what the fuck the imaginary Ava is? Can I tell you what fourth, fifth ultimate impact? There's so many impacts in this movie. (laughs) Can I explain what the, the fifth impact is? 
Can I explain what the hell Yui was even doing throughout the entire franchise? No. But you get a lot more sense of Gendo. You get a lot more sense of Asuka. You get closure for a bunch of characters. And you get happiness? (laughs) Question mark? Of a sort. So anyway, Content, contentedness. <laughs> yes. Uh, so friends, that's all sitting there on Amazon prime. In addition, there is a two part documentary that the NHK filmed of Anno and the production of the movies over the course of, I guess, fuck, I guess it would have been the last movie. <laughs> it took nine years for this movie to come out, I think. Um, and they followed the NHK followed Anno and studio Kara for four of those nine years. Um, so there was a two part documentary on Amazon as well about the making of the movie that I'm super excited to dive into. Well, friends, sorry for the, you know, 45 minute diatribe. I really tried to rein it in, but I knew it was going to be hard. Uh, maybe I can whittle it down in post, but anyway, if you watch them, hit us up on Twitter. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, if you've got any familiarity, no familiarity, how the experience was for you i'd be delighted to hear it and continue that conversation with y'all there who knows maybe kate's enticed enough maybe this will come back in cinematic september we shall see but for now we're gonna take a break right here when we come back august watch rama raps with a request from the audience Ooh. Ooh, celebrated comedy comedy special um yeah <laughs> Tragic, tragedy, tragic comedy, <laughs> tragic comedy, Comic. the comically ludicrous, the ludicrous, the comical, uh, Bo Burnham's inside. We gonna get into that. Let me come back from this break. Welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things we have brought each other. Mm-hmm. This week, as we mentioned in the first half, it's the wrap-up of August Watcharama. Mm-hmm. And we got a suggestion for Bo Burnham's Inside. Yes. Or it's actually called Bo Burnham Inside. Um, but whatever you call it, before we get into it, we have some rules. We do. The first rule is the rule of three, but this was one thing, so we didn't watch it in parts. We watched it as a whole, I think, unless Jordan was like, fuck it, I'm going to watch Evangelion. (laughs) Um, The second rule is hashtag save it for the pod, which is why I don't know if Jordan just went, fuck it, I'm not watching this anymore, because we save all the details and how we feel about the thing we watched until we're in front of these microphones. We do. Why and, do we, and it's all for you. It's all for you. Why do, why do we do that, Kate? It's, it's for the listeners, so they get the freshest of takes. It is. You deserve it. It's been a hard week. It's been a hard year. Hard times just maintaining. You don't deserve a yeah. stale take. We, wouldn't, we would never insult you by just giving you stale takes. We always give you the hottest takes about stuff that has already left the discourse, but... <laughs> <laughs> But we do a valuable service. Like we, bring, we bring it back to the discourse. Doing a valuable service here. Damn right we do. Damn right we do. Um, and then the third rule, uh, which isn't actually a rule. It's actually a policy, which is if for some reason you haven't seen this or someone didn't 
you know, recommend you, recommend it to you and you don't have a podcast and feel like you should really watch the recommendations of your listeners. Uh, and you're like, I don't want to know what's going on. I don't want to know anything about it. Then uh, you should probably, you should probably go. Bye. Bye. Kate. And, uh, and that's it. Yeah. What's Bo Burnham Inside? Uh, Bo Burnham Inside is a special written, directed, filmed, edited, and starring Bo Burnham. Uh, recorded in the guest house of his home during the COVID-19 pandemic without a crew or audience, it was released on Netflix on May 30th, 2021. It features a variety of songs and sketches about his day-to-day life indoors. He depicts his deteriorating mental health and explores themes of performa- performativity and his relationship to the audience. Other segments are about internet activities, including calling one's mother on FaceTime, taking photos for Instagram, sexting, and video game streaming. Now, some people have said this is a comedy special. It is not. <laughs> you were saying that outright? You would not classify well, this as a comedy special? No. Well, okay. Actually, that's not true because depending on what your what your definition of comedy is, but I think it's it's more of like a performance special. Mm. It felt for more like a one-man show than it did like a Right, like I did guffaw at some points, and I was like, "Oh, that was very cl- clever," or I liked that bit, but I didn't. There wasn't. I wasn't like in stitches. Say yes. This is a comedy special, like Nanette is a comedy special, the Hannah Gadsby special from a couple years ago, it, which is exactly like, so. Which is more of like a performance or a discussion on comedy. Yes. This is a discussion about like mental health and and covid and the realities of internet and internet being weird and how it has changed society and all of that so it i think it's there were like i thought there were some very clever funny parts but i definitely it wasn't like watching billy connolly you know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah different vibe the the fact that that's her go-to y'all i just want (laughs) we know what she feels about billy Connolly, but like of all the comedians in the world that that's that's like hard eye emoji for kate mcginnon that's like of course you would say Connolly is the only comedian well that that has he's the only comedian that has made me cry consistently from laughter um so yeah that's why I go to him. So, that's what this is. Kate? Yes? Did you like this? I liked parts of it. I found myself not troubled by it, per se. Like, it is an impressive piece of work as an undertaking. But already I feel like you had a – in your description, you kind of threw something out there that I did not know, which is that this was done in his guest house. Yeah. So I'm not looking to cast aspersions on the validity of the man's uh, mental deterioration, but you're swiping Vaseline on the lens a little bit at that point. But I think that's the point, right? Maybe. I mean, it's like like you that's... said in the top, it was a lot about performativity and the thing we're putting, the things we put out there. 
to the public. Uh, the man is, listen, I don't have a huge lot of experience with Bo Burnham's career. Uh, he made one of my favorite vines of all time. Is there anything better than pussy? Yes, a really good book. Super dumb, which again, it's weird to be like, and I know this is not how he like started his career, but it's like, how you going to be big mad at the internet when like the only reason I ever knew who you were was because of the internet. And I think a lot of people only knew who you were because the internet, it's not your defining thing. I'm not trying to like, you know, minimize his talent or creative output to that. But I only know who Bo Burnham was. I didn't watch eighth grade. I didn't see any of his other specials. Like dude got big on vine. <laughs> that's how, that's how I knew who he was. So being big mad about the internet, I'm kind of like, yeah. Also, yeah, the pandemic was sad. I don't want to spend time there again. And that's, I mean, that's just me being me. Like, like, oh man. I think there's, a- if you had a rough time in your guest house, my dude, let me introduce you to the Polly Pocket. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, I don't want to shit on it for what it is, but it was like, for that element, for like, you know, the stress of living in the isolation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I couldn't put aside my personal response to that time, you know. And this is going to be the interesting thing about art in general going forward and about how much people want to reckon with this in their art. But I mean, it's not... It's not over, A. It's, you know, we're not like post-pandemic world. We're but, still very much in the midst of it. But we are all like, we're all a little more grizzled seasoned vets at this point, you know? Like, like I remember, I don't know when I was telling a story. I think I was telling, I was recently telling a story about early, early days where like, you couldn't get masks. You didn't know where to go to get them. Yeah. When it was like early, early. We're talking April 2020. And that I thought was a really powerful part of the special when there will be these moments where he's doing stand up to no one um, or to like can laughter or whatever. And he's basically telling the story about why he stopped performing because there was a stretch where he went off and made that movie and he did other things. And it's basically because he was having panic attacks on stage. He's like, well, this isn't good. I need to like work on my stuff. And he says, I did. And around February of 2020, I was feeling like, I'm good. I should start performing again. I should take that risk. And then the funniest thing happened. (laughs) Whoopsie doodle. Everything vanishes. And we all just live in our little, you know, pods for a year. So I don't know. I had, like I said, I had a hard time reckoning with being back in that that was a tough hang for me um like my own residual isolation from those days like flaring up i'm not like irreparably you know i don't even think we talked about it at the time when we were like doing episodes every week just talking about nothing because we were trying to process what we were living through go back and listen to those y'all it's actually it's an interesting journey but like you know, it was, it was a weird time and I'm not, you know, I'm not like saying I was, um, irreparably damaged from that time, but it was some shit to live through. I don't know how you feel about it, but like, and to continue to live through. So it summoned a lot of things from that time that I was like, I don't, eh, I don't, I respect what you're doing. 
and I am chuckling at times, but I don't. Mm. <laughs> this, mm, this is basically it, as far as if I liked mm-hmm. it or not. Mm. Any of that there for you, or you were just like meh? No, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I know there's there's probably going to be a lot more art in the future that that sort of processes what it's what that was like for a lot of people and so many of the experiences were so different even if you were like us living in the same province um it was different i live with someone i technically i was living with three other people um it wasn't as isolated and lonely um i was still working so there wasn't this weird stretch of time <laughs> that and that's that's the weirdest thing like like someone cute worked in something that was considered an essential business so she never had a lockdown she yeah. did she didn't experience that um and we've talked about that how like for her the pandemic <laughs> you throw quotes not like it's not real but like aside from like no longer really taking public transit for a year and a half, like her day to day didn't really change that much aside from wearing a mask and washing her hands more. Like she still had to go to work every day. She was still keeping the same schedule. There wasn't this just like long drag of like, um, well for me, it was like what, six, eight months. And for somebody like Bo Burnham who works in an industry that, you know, demands, you know, creative output slash, you know, a bunch of people all working together in close confines. Like it was at least a year for him. Right. I think it clocks, I think it clocks a year. Yeah. And, and also like if people have kids or not, right. That made it very different. So not, you know, just geography, not just whether you worked in essential service. I know there are definitely friends who are nurses that had a very different, awful experience with it as well. So it, it, it even though we sort of as a world have been going through this, it's been very different from person to person. Um, it was sort of I think it was like a so it for me it wasn't yes it might have been created because of COVID, but to me this was more about like mental health, um, and it also it, I mean it blurred a lot of the lines between fact and fiction which is what art sort of does um and in this um this special specifically and like i was doing more things like i think the house it wasn't really his house i i knew it wasn't really his house um but it sort of like represented like his brain right or how he was feeling with the situation which was like basically very isolated um but that was all like the arty part of it. Um, as far as like the entertainment part, like I really liked a lot of the songs. I thought they said funny, interesting things. I didn't understand a lot of the nudity, <laughs> but, but you know, that's just me and nudity in general. Um, yeah, but like I, I did enjoy it as a special. Is it, did it, you know, change the game? I don't think so. But it was entertaining. Was I entertained? No. 
was like impelled sometimes. Um, his musical output has always been a little too twee for my taste in general. Um, yeah, but you're also like, yeah, I'm I mean too, that <laughs> I'm too real with it, Kate. I need that boom bat. Don't give me this like blink, 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 blink. Like I don't, I don't want cutesy. See, to me, this like it, it, of course it's not the same and he is a legend in my eyes, but there is this little bit of weird Al in it. Um, which he acknowledges in one of the songs. What the hell was it? Yes. The Venn diagram. The Venn diagram of Weird Al and what? Martin Luther King? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Um, um, but I, and I enjoy that kind of That's thing. the other thing. He pulls an eight mile a few times, right? That thing where like, I'm going to say it first to absolve myself. And he does a better job of it than some other people do when he talks about being a white male comic, when he talks about like there are more important things in the world than whatever he's going through type of thing. Like he does that thing where you try to get out in front of it a little bit. And it's, he acknowledges that even him trying to do that is insufficient. Um, yeah. but I was like, I don't know if this is entirely landing the Twitch stream. I thought was fucking dead on. That was probably oh, my favorite man. part. That was my favorite part of the thing where he's, that play- was so good. He's playing a video game, video game of his life. And he's taking on all the affectations of a Twitch streamer, which is very kind of like masculine. What's up, bros. It was the thanks for the four months. I was like, fucking that's, that's a nice touch. Um, and he's playing basically the game, Bo Burnham inside where it's like, press a to cry. <laughs> I was like, see, I like this, the little, like, uh, you know, Escher footage of the reaction video. I was like, B minus. <laughs> oh, that, I thought that was pretty funny. I thought it was, I, again, he's doing a very good job at lampooning all of the things that are prevalent in this version of internet culture. Um, White woman's Instagram was one of my favorites. White woman's Instagram was pretty good. The one moment where I was like, Oh buddy. Cause again, everybody's journey is different. Everyone, you don't want to be like, you have no right to be sad, but I'm sitting there and be like, buddy, you think 30 is bad. Got some, got some news for you, sunshine. <laughs> you can be real sad 10 years from now. Um, and also now I know where that stupid fucking Jeff Bezos song came from, <laughs> which has been all over TikTok the last month. Um, I don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know her. Um, but that did make me laugh where there was a line about Jeff Bezos, like, <laughs> Drink the blood of your enemies and fuck their wives or something. <laughs> you can do it, Jeffrey. I was like, this is odd. Listen, as someone who uh, spent his pandemic uh, ordering <laughs> records online and not doing anything quote unquote creative, despite, you know, other than like getting my Duolingo up. <laughs> I respect his dedication and his acknowledgement that like really it was his life raft and like he breaks down considering what happens when he's done. Because when he thinks he's done, what does that mean? Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. Like I, like I said before, I was, I don't know. I would not have called it entertaining. I, it is compelling at times. But also, it was also, I mean, the funniest moment for me was when he's singing a song about making content or being performative or something. And he's like, are you even watching this? Are you on your phone? Am I on in the background? And I was literally doing the dishes. And I'm like, my dude, 
<laughs> you called it. You nailed it. Good for you. I was on my phone personally when that <laughs> happened. So it's very smart. I hope he's doing better. <laughs> I hope he's doing better. Legitimately. I'm not saying that to be shitty. Like I legitimately hope he's doing better. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, yes, I was, it's compelling. It's very smart at times, maybe too smart, but that's a discussion for another time. Um, I don't know that I would call it entertaining. It's kind of, and I know I'm on, I know I'm on the wrong side of the, uh, discourse history on this one, but it's kind of like a 6.5 for me. That's okay. It was a seven for me. There you go. That's not that bad. I mean, like I said, it didn't like wasn't revolutionizing the industry or anything. I just I was entertained by it, and I did really like the songs. White women's Instagram just hit home. There were a couple uh, of really specific. There were a couple of really specific things in white women's Instagram. A golden retriever with a flower crown. That's what it was. That's what <laughs> <laughs> that's that was my first bust out of the uh, of the entire show was when he was rattling off all the things about a white woman's Instagram. <laughs> he was like a golden retriever in a flower crown, and I'm like. Fuck. That is mad specific. Um, with me, it was just all the pumpkin stuff. <laughs> like the like, and then there's one where it's, he's like nude and like the pumpkins are being displayed on his body. I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah. Pumpkins. <laughs> pumpkins, y'all. Hey, it's, it's almost that time. <laughs> Ooh, we saw, we saw, sorry, total side note, but we saw a, um, uh, oh, what's the store that, Fuck. Spirit of Halloween. <laughs> I was going to say, Spirit, yeah. Spirit of Halloween. Yeah, Spirit of Halloween. And both Chris and I were like, yeah! Oh and my, my dad was like, what is wrong with you people? God, they're here already? Yeah. Fuck, I guess it's that time, y'all. Caitlin's just out there warming up the cardigans, waiting for... <laughs> searching these streets for tiny gourds. I literally thought the other day, I'm like, do I have enough mugs to get me through the fall and winter? <laughs> Do I have enough mugs? Um, though I am just going to say, if you have been struggling with like mental health and just like you know, like Jordan, like mm, like COVID, mm, I don't, <laughs> I don't really want to mm. like ha- hash this out again. Mm. Maybe just uh, save this in a cu- for a couple years when, when you know, this is this is something we talk about as a history thing <laughs> as opposed to a present happening thing. Yeah, because like I like I said, I don't. It never. It's not a time in my life that I look back on like sadly per se, but like it was probably the closest I've ever come to what is you know traditionally known as depression. Like I was never like you know there was no suicidal ideation or anything like that, but it was just like literally being able to brew a pot of coffee in the morning was the only thing I had to look forward to. I was just in this apartment sweltering, watching like Thunderbolt fantasy and like brave new animal on Netflix. Like there are songs, there are shows, there are just images that if I see them again, there are places. If I go down to the waterfront now, cause that's where I was always taking my walks every day. <laughs> just to stretch my legs to have something to do it. Like the, the mood that kind of like drapes over me at that point. And it's not like 
you know, a panic attack or anything. It's just like, that was rough. <laughs> that was a weird and rough time. And, you know, watching this was like, oh, remember that weird and rough time? Let's spend a 90 minutes in it. Like Kate said, maybe that's not something you need in your life right now. And that's no, fi- and that's I, fine. In that case, you know what my my suggestion is going to be? Um, McDonald and Dodds? Rizzoli, no. Rizzoli and uh, Hobbs? Antiques Roadshow. Antiques Roadshow. Listen, the note I have down here was like, it's actually an interesting contrast to watch Ava and this within hours because Ava ends up being the thing that processes its grief and moves on. Who saw that coming? No, no one. Literally no, no one. No one. <laughs> Literally no one. Uh, so yeah, that's the six and a half for me, seven for Kate. That is on Netflix. CW for y'all. If it is a sensitive time that maybe you're not particularly interested in revisiting, maybe take a pass on that one. But as a work, as a thing that was made, it's, it's an impressive display of, you know, one person's creativity. Art, as they say. <laughs> Hand up emoji. Art, y'all. Art. Fr- friends, that concludes August Watch Rama. We will be back to something resembling format next week in more ways than you may realize. What? What? Crumbs, y'all. Sprinkle a couple crumbs. What? You never What's know. Going on? You never know when it's going to happen, y'all. You never know. You just wait. <laughs> Friends, for all your Ava theories, all your processing 2020 grief, hit us up at twitter.com slash geekdownpod. We are happy to carry that weight with you, our beloved listeners. As always, we thank you so much for spending an hour in change with us every week in these uncertain times. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Caitlin, I don't know if you knew this. Peaches come. In a can. They were put there by a man. That's just literally, that's like age verification at this point. Yeah. Fellas, if you ever got a girl, you brought her home, you're unsure, just say, <laughs> say that to her and see what happens. If she doesn't know what you're talking about, send her home. She's too young for you. <laughs>